0: Welcome to this episode of the John Papaloni Show. Today, I'm going to have Melissa Foote on the show. It's going to be an exciting show, but I say that every show, and it usually is very exciting. So I'm excited, and I'm hoping you're excited to see this as well, because we're going to welcome Melissa to the show.
1: Thanks, John, for having me. I love your podcast, so I'm really excited to be here.
0: Well, thank you very much. I feel honored. Um, yeah, so I, I guess uh, you've seen my podcast in the past, and uh You must know i will start every episode with an introduction of who you are what you do and how you you got there
1: i do so um i am first and foremost a mom of three teenage boys and i'm relatively new to business but all my kids are entrepreneurial minded and so it's been really fun to talk business with them Um, but i'm also a teacher and of course an entrepreneur Um, i own a small business called step by step tech And I get to teach adults how to use technology in person, online. Um, I also work with people one-on-one. And let's see how I got here. Um, I was an elementary school teacher for almost 20 years. And right before COVID, um, I decided to leave my job and start my business, which I had no idea what perfect timing that would be. And, uh, you know, I just really loved teaching, but education in the United States changed quite a bit. And I felt like it moved from a focus being on mostly kids to focus on testing and implementing new programs. And, you know, as teachers, we were expected to fit in a box and that just really wasn't my style. And so um, I found myself pushing the boundaries quite a bit and realized I should probably go. So um, I decided to start my business, and now I get to teach adults how to use technology, which, you know, anybody over the age of forty in some way struggles with technology. So it's been uh, an amazing adventure, and my business has been growing. And so um, I really just love what I do. and I get to be my own boss and, you know, be available when my kids are off in summer if I want to. And so it's just been, um, the most unexpected but exciting next, you know, season as I shift careers in my 40s. So, yeah.
0: Gotcha. Now, it's interesting because you know, with the whole teaching thing, right? So, like, I, I don't think that uh, the whole changes are just limited to America. Um, I, I mean, here in Canada, um, I see the kind of same thing. It's, uh, it's not – I don't want to say that because I don't want to badmouth education, but the education I got and the education kids today get, and no fault of anybody, uh, like not fault of the kids, not a fault of the teachers, but the curriculum is sort of outdated and not updated and and not children focused, that uh, they didn't get the same education that I got. And a uh, prime example is that I use a friend of mine. So I if we go to a restaurant, not a restaurant, a coffee shop and uh, order f- coffees and whatever, and the bill's like $8 and he gives him a $10 bill, if he doesn't see on the register, he would have no idea that he's supposed to get $2 change. Now, the point, the reason is he can't do it in his head. And I'm using something simplistic. I'm making him sound stupid. But I, I, I'm saying it's usually more complicated stuff. But I used to be able to do numbers in my head. I mean, all the way up to 12 times 12 and, and all the way down. I, I knew how to do the math. In my head, without paper, without a calculator or anything. But I find people today, they need a calculator. So education has become a memory game. They can only reply what they memorized, but they don't actually know how they got the formula and how they got there. They just know because they memorized the number. It's really weird, right? And So I find in a way that it's scaled down. And again, it goes back to what you were saying. It's because it's become all tests. It's all about the test and getting ready for the test and not actually about learning.
1: Yeah, I agree. I started teaching in the early 2000s. And back then, you know, we taught handwriting, we taught spelling, and those things are not on the plate anymore. Um, And it is a lot more about teaching to the test, even though, you know, they would never say that. But a lot of, um, you know, a teacher's evaluation, a lot of school money comes from how schools and students do on testing. And so, you know, there are so many teachers out there who just love what they do, thank God. But I uh, I couldn't fit in the box of transitioning to working more toward testing. And so it was funny cause it was a really great job. I loved it. It was secure. I'd been doing it forever. Um, but so it was really hard to leave, but it just, I could tell it wasn't where my heart and soul was anymore. And I just swore I'd never be one of those, you know, cranky old teachers who was just showing up just to show up. And so I'm very glad I left when I left.
0: Absolutely. And kudos for you for recognizing that. Uh, Yeah. So you got into technology. Why technology?
1: So the last school I was at was a very techie school. And so a lot of the teachers, we got um, trained to do a lot of things specifically with Google. Um, I became a Google certified teacher and I just, I loved using technology. Um, You know, it's the way the world is going. And so it was like, if we were going to keep up with our kids, we had to use technology just even to connect to the next generation. And so. I loved technology. And so I I also love pictures, which is kind of the other side of my story. And so I've always been kind of the historian in my family. I'm the, you know, annoying mom, aunt, sister that loves to take pictures of everything. And so I basically combined the two, you know, a lot of people who feel frustrated with technology, you know, still love taking pictures. And so Um, I just found a way to start teaching classes that incorporated both how to use technology and how to start organizing pictures and creating systems, because as we all know, we're just going to keep taking more and more pictures. And so a lot of my classes focus on, um, you know, how to organize pictures, how to get them printed and photo books. Um, It was really a combination of the two. But... uh, there was such a need for it. And I teach mostly in retirement communities. And so, you know, these are all the baby boomers, people in their, you know, 60s, 70s, 80s, who really grew up with photos and loved them. And then they don't really understand how to use their phones and they're really easily frustrated. And so I was able to kind of combine two of my passions and that's how I got to my business.
0: Very good. That's, uh, yeah, yeah, I love that. Uh, I mean, kudos to you. I mean, like you're right. Technology is here to stay, and it's gonna be uh, more embedded into us as time goes by. There's, uh, you know, no change in that, and it's not a bad thing. That's a good thing. Um, it's a bad thing if you're one of the ones that don't want to change. But <laughs> aside from that, it's a good thing. Um, but how did like going to your photo love, like like for your love of photos, was that something you had even as a kid growing up? Like it was photos your thing, or is that something you developed as you got older?
1: Yeah, I really have always just loved pictures. I think, you know, um, I grew up looking at my grandparents' photo albums that my parents had and, you know, on the shelf in our living room, the, um, you know, old yellow and green books that, you know, you lift up the page and they're like magnetic pictures (laughs) underneath. And so um, I think I just grew up, you know, really loving family history. And then, you know, my parents had the photo books, you know, in the 80s where you slide the pictures in the little sleeves and. You know, when I became an adult, I got into scrapbooking for a while and I think it's always been ingrained in me. And, um, you know, I think for a lot of older adults that grew up with printed pictures when we got smartphones in the early 2000s, printing pictures became less of a priority and people just knew their pictures were on their phones, but then they don't really know how to get there or how to share them easily and are easily frustrated. And so, I thought I could kind of bridge the two, you know, people's love of photos and how to use technology, because that's what we use anymore smartphones. I mean, my kids are um, 18 and I have 13 year old twins. And, you know, my 18 year old, I have a couple printed pictures, you know, photo albums of him, but my twins were born in 2009. And I feel like their generation and older, you know, or younger, aren't really gonna have very many printed pictures. When you look at how infrequently people are really printing, we just take them all the time, but we don't really print them, which they're not going to be going through our Facebook accounts and our, you know, that probably won't even exist down the road or going through our phones or whatever, you know, they want to have uh, pictures, you know, maybe they don't know it yet, but someday they'll want to share them with their kids and grandkids. So um, just trying to bridge this, you know, this gap of going all of a sudden to digital pictures, but then people, you know, not doing much other than just having them on their phones.
0: See, you brought up a good point here right like the odds of social media being what it is today in 10 years from now 15 years from now you're right it probably won't be here anymore and there'll be different platforms and i'm not saying facebook's gonna die but they'll evolve and they'll evolve to something else and those pictures may not be readily available so people going by you know through digital and keeping everything on the phone look look like what about you know got this phone looks great the new model comes out you get a new phone and what happens You install uh, all your new apps. Now, most Apple users will enable iCloud, which will transfer your photos. But that is more recent. I remember when they first came out, I had friends that say, hey, I lost all my pictures, or I lost this, I lost that. How do I get them over? Well, on your old phone, did you have iCloud on? No. Why would I need to? (laughs) That's why. Right? So how many people have lost pictures because of this and uh, just accepted that? Right. Where where your your solution offers an opportunity to make sure they can preserve it somehow.
1: And that's really what it is, is, you know, preserving and protecting your pictures, because, um, you know, and I'm not saying that because I print a photo book, my kids are going to keep that photo book. But if I make an album and I share it with them in Apple Photos, then at least they have access to it down the road if something happens, you know, and so many people have so many great photos and they just they don't know what to do with them and it's become really digital clutter they just have clutter on their phone and yes um i'm sure we've all been around somebody who's like let me show you this picture from a wedding over the weekend and then they scroll through their phone and scroll and they can never find the photo and so really i just help people learn how to start organizing how to share their digital copies with their kids how to print them in photo books if they want to um because you're right down the road kids are not gonna be Using the same platforms we use today, like you know, it's likely there will be something that will be more innovative down the road. So it just creates a way for people to preserve all the memories of your family that, you know, someday your future generations will want to learn or know or hear stories about.
0: And here's another thing for anybody that's going to be watching or listening. If you have an iPhone and you're using iCloud, check your emails because Apple would have sent you a notice that as of July 26th, they're no longer supporting the photo stream. So that means your photos will no longer be going to the cloud. When you get a new phone, your apps will transfer, your photos will not. So you're going to lose that if you don't back it up. So now it's ever more important to back it up to your computer or do what you said, print it out. And that's going to be a rude awakening for some because some people are not going to pay attention.
1: Well, and even if you just Google Apple photo stream right now, um, on their website, they have a whole page that gives a ton of information and how to, you know, make sure all of your pictures are saved. So if anybody hasn't done that yet, you got another month to work on that.
0: Right. Or you can reach out to Melissa and she'll teach you. Yes. Um, and
1: the other thing i was going to say about pictures too is you know i think we take for granted that they're just sitting on our phone and i don't know if anybody has been to a recent funeral or memorial service wedding if anytime these huge life events happen that is what we do we we get out all the photo albums we go through old pictures you know we create slideshows you know so i think that even if it doesn't feel relevant in your world right now because you just know your pictures are on your phone there will be a time where you want to find your pictures quickly and easily and so um, you know, it is what we go to when things happen in life. So they are still very important to all of us, you know?
0: Absolutely. You replace furniture, but photos kind of stay with you. Yes. love that. So, with that being said, now you're doing things in in terms of courses, right? Like, like uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I mean, like your uh, your part of your main business is developing courses that people can uh, register for and learn off of.
1: Correct. So I started teaching mostly in person, and I had developed a few courses to start. And then as people wanted more and more, I just started creating what people were asking for. And so um, I have a handful of courses. Recently, I started working on getting them online because a lot of people, you know, would say, oh, my son or daughter could use this class, but they don't live in Colorado where we are. So, you know, if you could get it online, then they could access it. And so I started getting some courses online as well. So on my website, stepbysteptech.org, you can see some of the classes I have online if you don't live in Colorado. And then, um, you know, one of my classes that really has taken off, which was very unexpected, um, is my home inventory class, which is about creating a record of your belongings and preparing for an emergency. We had a huge fire here in Colorado about a year and a half ago in the dead of winter um in a suburban neighborhood and it burnt about a thousand structures and so you know right around the corner we saw all these people who had lost all their homes which you guys have these crazy fires in Canada right now and I don't know how close you are but
0: not that close I'm about an I'm about an eight hour drive away roughly from it um there was a couple of days where the smoke came out this way so we did feel it or see it or smell it for lack of better description but, um, it's put it this way. It's far enough that I'm not worried about it burning, uh, you know, towards me, but uh, I mean, it's still sad and tragic and shows you that anything can happen in life.
1: It really can. And I think our weather is changing so much and I don't know if they've decided what have started your fire, but, um, you know, the fire here, it almost didn't even matter how it started, but you know, it was December. It was right after Christmas. We had snow on the ground, and you know, this huge fire took off and um, hundreds of people lost absolutely everything. And so um, I started listening to some of the town hall meetings that they would host that were public and just listening and seeing if there was a way I could help people through my business because so many of the communities where I taught were just a few miles from the fire and people were just living in fear. And, you know, they just wanted to know what they could do in case there was a fire or if it spread towards them. And so um, I put together this home inventory class, and I just teach people how to, you know use your phone to take pictures and videos to record, um, take record of all the belongings in your home. And that way you have information for your insurance company if you ever need it, because you know we're we're truly a year and a half out, and people are still fighting with insurance companies. People weren't reimbursed. They didn't have record of the things that they owned. And so it's amazing how if you just take a couple hours, and you document your belongings, how life-changing that could be, you know, if, God forbid, you ever experienced something like that, and so I added in there, too, some different ideas on things you could do to prepare for an emergency in case you ever had to evacuate, um, and so that class, surprisingly, was never on my radar as something I would do in my business. It was just a need in the community, and it combined my technology and my photos and videos, and um, I've been able to start partnering with realtors, which um, I don't know if you heard me on my last podcast, but Um, I was on the Ninja Selling Podcast, and so I think that regardless where you live, whether it's, you know, fire, hurricane, tornado, weather is happening in our world, Um, and so it's really important that people do what they can if you own a home and you have some stuff to, you know, record your belongings, and so I've loved being able to help a lot of people get that taken care of.
0: See, that's interesting, because that's not something I would have thought of myself,
1: I don't think most people do, you know, you just, you never think anything's going to happen to you and even you just hope nothing will. So you just kind of out of sight, out of mind. And, you know, cooking is the number one cause of house fires. So whether it's, you know, a wildfire or whatever, you know, we're all at risk to something like this. And again, you hope it never happens, but watching people in the aftermath of the Marshall fire here in Colorado was really sad. You know, people, you know, they they literally left their homes with nothing. And so like we were just talking about in the cloud with like even Apple, or if you use Google, if you have a document of, you know, you've documented all the belongings in your home, even if you lost your phone, you could go get a new phone, log into your account and all of your information is there. And so it's really priceless to have, um, you know, take a few hours ahead of time just to make sure you're covered just in
0: case. Absolutely, I just want to clarify something here. Everybody, you heard it first. Cooking food is the leading cause of fire. So from now on, eat at restaurants every single day. <laughs> no, nah, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I had to make a, you know, comment about it. But I mean, yeah. it, you're absolutely right. right? And and that's what makes it scary. Like the same thing, the thing we do day to day could be the cause of what happens.
1: Well, so and there's a lot of other reasons. You know, we had a house in our neighborhood um, at the beginning of February, a lithium battery in their garage started a fire they were um i don't i think it was yard tools they had the batteries plugged in and so you know it started a fire and overcharging lithium batteries is a you know cause of some fires recently and so um you know not to live in fear because i don't think that's the best solution either but just do what you can to prepare it's like And even in the realtor world, you know, I feel like you all do a great job of putting in all this time and effort to help people sell their house and buy new homes. And this is almost helping them kind of in the middle, just, you know, ensure what the, you know, their investments that they've made with you. And so to make sure that they're doing what they can to protect their family and their home, it's a great way to connect even in the real estate
0: world. Makes absolute sense. And And again you're right it could be anything could be faulty wiring because wires get old not everybody updates it could be anything um and it's sad it's tragic but uh you're right so at least you have a resolution there so that's a good thing yeah that's a very good thing and you know it's interesting like when you started did you think you were going to come up with courses or was your plan the whole time to be uh basically one-on-one or in person or group or something like that like what was your initial uh thought
1: It's really funny i've become very open-minded to you know just going wherever the universe takes me because in the beginning my plan was to actually make photo books for people and so um, i had gone to this women's business conference in south carolina and i met all these women and i came home and i thought i was going to start my business and um, i started making photo books for like busy moms people who were stressed out with technology and so just helping them get their pictures printed And I really thought that was what my whole business would be. And I really loved it, but it was not lucrative. And it didn't really feed my soul the way I thought it would. And so um, after some reflection, I thought, you know, I love teaching. Maybe I could teach other people how to do this. And so that's where the teaching came in. And, you know, I don't know why I didn't think of that in the first place, but that ended up being really where my business, I think, took off. And so started teaching in person and it was actually right after COVID, and so a lot of people were just sick of being home and not being around other people and sick of zoom and so it was great because i was able to teach in person and then you know as people were you know asking if i could offer my classes to friends and family who didn't live here that's where the online part of my business came in and so i love both i love in person i love online um, my classes are all pre-recorded. So any of my online classes, people can do at their own pace whenever they have time. Um, the one-on-one is really great because sometimes people have special projects they want to work on or things that don't really apply to an entire class. And then even recently, I didn't realize this would become part of my business, but I started doing speaking engagements and you know, sharing my story and my business with other mostly female entrepreneurs. And so I had no idea how much I would love that. So um, I hope to continue offering you know my classes and increasing courses that I offer online. Um, but I also love being able to speak and be in groups of other female entrepreneurs or any entrepreneurs, you know, but it's really just grown and it keeps growing and I just I keep um, pushing myself out of my comfort zone when things pop up. It's just like I say yes before I can even think about it. And then surprisingly, most of the time, it's an amazing addition to my business. So I'm really open to anything at the core of it, though, is really teaching adults how to use technology where they are frustrated.
0: Right. Which which brings up a point, right? Like, I mean, I love how you were able to get online and do an online course because in a way that's scalable. Let's be honest, if you're still doing the one-to-one or even in-person, even small groups, you're still limited on how big you can grow. It doesn't matter how much you want to grow, you would still be trading time for money. Right? Where doing courses gives you opportunity. Now, you can still offer the one-on-one and become a premium product. Customization, like you said, that is another opportunity. So I love the fact that you're always forward thinking that way and finding the ways to expand the opportunity while still in the same realm.
1: Yeah. And it's been really interesting um, just being open to different opportunities that come up and it's just interesting, you know, uh, even being on a couple of podcasts is something I never even imagined, but it's been great, you know, opportunities come up and it's such a, a great way to share what I do with people who don't live in my bubble here and, um, you know, ultimately, so our twins are 13, they're going into eighth grade. And so our, our dream, my husband and I's dream someday down the road, we're going to live on a beach somewhere and I'll have my whole business online and it will be very scalable. And I won't be showing up in person to things anymore. And I'll be able to, you know, create new content, new courses, um, depending on where the world goes with technology. But ultimately I will be doing all of it remotely from, you know, some beach chair with a drink with an umbrella in it or something. So.
0: Now I got to be careful because that's what everybody accuses me of doing. But as a realtor, everybody thinks that the realtor's job is just so easy. What we do is we put a sign in the lot. We go to Maui, sip margarita, and take their money for sipping margarita. And we use their money to pay for our way there. then and, 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 and that's right? our Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so when you said you were going to do that, I go, uh-oh, you're touching a, la- a touchy subject here. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, that's awesome. I mean, like, look we are our dreams in a sense it's like really we never really fail in life unless we give up and usually starts off with giving up on our dreams now you have a dream you have a goal you have a destination point so that gives you that reason to keep on striving to keep on growing because if you're not growing you're dying and that's the the, fundamental thing right so i love that right so you're and that's the other thing so With that being said, now you got the courses, you're going to increase content, you're going to, you know, you do more podcasts, which you didn't think you were going to, do, but you're going to do it. So that's kind of great. What do you, what would you say like throughout the whole process, what was your biggest challenge here? Like, what, what did you struggle with?
1: Well, I think going back to even just leaving teaching in general, it was really hard. It was a hard decision. You know, my parents are very hard workers but they grew up with the mentality of kind of work for the man, have a great 401k. And they were amazing examples to me of hard work but I think nobody in our family owned a business or had been an entrepreneur. So it was really, um, you know, hard for people to understand how I would even attempt to do something like this. And so I've had a a ton of great supporters, but I've also had a lot of naysayers. So even just taking a leap of faith to leave a job that was so secure. And I was, you know, a couple years away from being able to earn retirement. And so people just thought I was absolutely crazy. And so um, I would say one of the biggest in the very beginning was just listening to my gut and not listening to other people. And then of course, as I started my business, um, I looked at a lot of the failures I had as opportunities for growth. And even looking back, I feel like I fell on my face a lot and I didn't even realize it because I just knew When I left teaching, I left all of my classroom, everything I'd ever bought, invested, I left it all behind because I did not want it to be a backup plan for me. And so as I started my business, every time I failed, I just knew I wasn't going back to the classroom. So I had to get back up and whether it was pivot, try something new, um, you know, really own my mistakes. But I think just learning and growing in business as someone who didn't go to business school, wasn't raised by entrepreneurs, that's been really challenging, learning how to do all of the things with a business. So,
0: Yeah, I want to touch upon something you said there, Ray, because you had a lot of uh, support and you had a lot of naysayers. And a lot of times people have naysayers. In fact, usually the naysayers are a reflection of their own feelings, not yours. And what ends up popping is somebody can't imagine themselves doing it. So it's almost like they don't like the fact that you're doing something that they can't imagine themselves doing. Um, It's a weird concept, a weird thing, but it seems to be a common story. But where I'm curious is, what story were you telling yourself in your head? When all this was going on.
1: I think I, my, you know, automatic response was they're right. You can't do this. You should just go back and get a teaching job, which wouldn't have been hard to do because even as I left teaching, I had offers to come back. So I easily could have gone back, but, um, I had to be really conscious of digging deep and going, Nope, I don't want to go back. I can do this. I can do this. I can do this. And so, um, it wasn't a natural inner voice, but I knew I had to push myself to follow this, you know, calling and to make sure that i wasn't just settling for what was comfortable and at the same time my kids were getting a little bit older and um, all three of our boys are very business minded our oldest son is actually leaving in august to go to asu to um, start business school and so i also had this um, responsibility inside to just make sure i was modeling for our kids what it was like to not settle and to chase a dream. And so I did it a lot for myself. But I also felt like a lot of it, I was inspired and motivated by my kids too. And just making sure I was going to model for them what it was like to even fall on my face and to get up and try again and, you know, be willing and open minded to shift when my business was shifting. And so it's still honestly the the inner voice I keep having to remind myself every single day when I get up.
0: That is the most powerful statement i have come across because you said it there right there you are the model and this is why i believe that humans in general should not settle because that's the model they're giving their kids that's what they're teaching them if life is hard and it is don't worry you can settle for the crap you don't want just settle but you understood that it was your responsibility to make sure you pass on the right message and you do the right thing for your family, so in a way it's almost like you went beyond yourself because it is so easy to just settle and say, "Hey, you're two years away from retirement; just put up with it for two years, collect your pension, and move on." But you recognize that that sent the wrong message home, and you weren't going to be that person. So you took true responsibility. Kudos to for you know to you for that because a lot of people would not do that. They would, uh, in a way, you know be selfish for a lack of better description and just think of how easy it could be for them by taking that cop out
1: well and it's even um you know more recently grown into opportunities to share my story and uh, my business with you know other entrepreneurs like i was telling you and i realize how many people are out there who have an idea or want to start a business but feel like they just keep having to do their nine to five which in a lot of cases you do and it's admirable that you just keep your dream going wherever you can even if it's you know late at night or on the weekends or whatever but i think there are a lot of people who are intimidated by just jumping in because they've been fed this message in the world that you know having a secure job is the most important thing and i feel like a lot of people miss their calling because they are safely you know just continuing to stay in the same job over time and so if i can even inspire some somebody with my story to jump in and do their own business, I think it would be um, a huge gift for me too, to be able to share.
0: You're right. And I love that because like, in in a sense, what we can do in this world and how we make our mark is by helping other people. We, by helping other people, sometimes we're helping ourselves. Our dreams are never made by ourselves. It's always a result of who you're around, who you surround yourself, who you lift up, they lift you up. It's like you are who you're around, right? You know, it's like I heard a saying from someone that said, uh, "Show me your friends, and I'll tell you who you are." Right? It was Mark 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 Merrill. He was a wrestler. He said that, and uh, and it's so true because you're you're who you collaborate. Collaboration is what leads to growth, and you only like for the, for the people that uh, are too afraid to take the leap. Now, I get it. There's responsibilities in life, and that's part of the reason. But that's fear talking you. That's, downst- that's fear you know, talking you out of it. That's beliefs talking you out of it. That's feeling beliefs. What ends up happening is your beliefs are causing you to give up on yourself. And I really believe that. And I think everyone faces that, and not everyone handles it the same way. And again, it depends well, how many years of programming did we have.
1: I was just gonna say that i think we're all raised with these beliefs and they're so invisible you just don't even realize you have them and so it's not until you have some moment in your life so when i turned 40 i i didn't have a midlife crisis but i just i had you know something happening in my personal life it really made me look at my life and think is this what i'm going to do for the next 40 years is this the same life i want and so it really shook me up and I started listening to podcasts and reading books and surrounding myself with people who were, you know, thought leaders on growth and mindset. And it took a lot of work and it's still an ongoing process. But, you know, our beliefs about how much success we deserve or the, um, you know, careers we deserve or even money is such a huge mindset. I think we grow up with that. We don't realize, you know, I grew up. My parents are amazing. We don't
0: talk about money. (laughs)
1: I love talking about money now. I didn't, you know, five years ago, but But, you know, uh, but it's true.
0: We grow up with that, right? Don't tell anybody what you make. Do not talk about money. That's personal. Keep that to yourself. You know what I mean? And, and it's like such baloney.
1: And people who make money aren't good people or, you know, they're probably not making money honestly or whatever people's stories are. You know, I feel like we all grew up with all of these stories. And so it's not until you, um, you really look inside and realize what your beliefs are, and then really work on them that you can change. And even for me, you know, I don't want to pass along some of the mindsets that I grew up with to my kids. I want my kids to think they can do anything they want if they work hard. And so I hope I'm just modeling this. And I'm so grateful that I've, you know, where I could almost be in retirement, I'm now starting this entire new season of life and I, it fuels my soul and I love it. And I think I'm passing on things to my kids. I wouldn't have had I not gotten out of my comfort zone.
0: All right. That's it. Mic drop guys podcast is <laughs> over. We had a mic drop moment, <laughs> but uh, honestly speaking, <laughs> I mean, but that was great. That was really good. I mean, that that's powerful. I love it. That was so powerful. And I, I think people need to hear this. So, with that being said, going back to it, we talked about all the negatives. Now let's get into the positive side of it. I'm sure there was a moment in time where you went into your business and you thought, I had all these doubts, I had all these worries, I stuck to it, and you have that what I call that aha moment. And that aha moment is sort of the, you know what? I found it. I found what's working. I found what's jiving. I found my, my, my happy zone. This is where I'm supposed to be. Now sometimes we get more than one in our life. But what was your latest one? Like what was that aha moment with this business where you you realized this was it that was the right choice?
1: I think probably a couple years ago. I have a couple but I'll just tell you two. I think a couple years ago I was teaching an in-person class in a retirement community and I had this amazing man in my class who You know, he'd been in the Air Force, this brilliant man, and he would come in every day and say how stupid he felt because he didn't know how to work his phone. And I would remind him, You are not at all. You're a genius. And it's just, you know, he didn't grow up with technology. So it wasn't second nature to him. So I was going to help him troubleshoot and problem solve. And he was going to figure it out just like he'd figured out everything else in his life. And so at the end of the class on the third day, he came in and he waited until everybody had left and he showed me his phone. And he was a, Colorado University basketball ticket holder. He loved going to the men's basketball games and had for decades. And when COVID hit, all the tickets went to, you know, they were only digital. And so he hadn't gone to a game in over a year because he could not figure out how to get his tickets on his phone. And so on the last day of the class, he came up to me and said, you know, I know your class focused on pictures, but it just gave me enough confidence to try to figure out this, you know, app on my phone And he pulled up his CU men's basketball tickets and he said he was going to a game that weekend. And I just thought, you know, this isn't about the money, although of course we all need to make money, but it's really about empowering people and helping them realize that, you know, they can problem solve and troubleshoot in areas that maybe they didn't think they could before. And um, I tell that story because I just, that was the moment for me that I knew I was doing the right thing. I was teaching and empowering people and all of the other parts are important, but not as important. So that was an amazing moment. And I've had a lot of those since then of just people who, you know, our world's gone to a lot of things on our phones. And especially since COVID, you know, older people have to check in for doctors and e-sign documents and all these things that are really in our face now that um, I'm not necessarily teaching them how to do those things, but even just giving them a little bit of a boost and some confidence and some support so that they know they can do all of those things.
0: Absolutely. Now, what would you say to someone who's, uh, you know, kind of doing the basics with their, with their phone, just say, or whatever technology? They're maybe an aspiring entrepreneur, but the technology side of it scares them, and they're hesitant. What would your advice be?
1: Well, I think for one, we just, we really need to embrace technology, because that is the way the world is going. And I know a lot of people dig their heels in, but at some point, we You will have to accept that you have to use technology in your world whether it's your personal world your professional world whether it's figuring out how to connect with your kids and grandkids whatever it is so i think just embracing that this is going to be a you know a part of all of our lives moving forward i also think that seeking resources there are a million resources out there not just me and i love serving and i would love to help people but there are so many resources out there that when you get frustrated before you know you want to throw your phone against the wall jump on your computer and even just google or look in youtube there are so many videos and resources to help people in any area you could possibly imagine and um i think one of the the really important lessons I want people to take away from my classes is that a lot of times it's just about having the patience to troubleshoot. And I think sometimes people feel fearful that they're going to hit buttons on their phone and delete things, but it actually takes a lot more than you think to break or ruin anything. And so a lot of times it's just, you know, taking deep breaths and being willing to, to troubleshoot. So
0: Makes sense. Love that. Now, in light of time, I'm going to ask you two more questions before we go into what I call the lightning round. Perfect. So second last question is going to be, how do you know you've had a successful day?
1: I think we make it a priority to sit down at the table and eat dinner with our family every night without the TV, without phones, That's something we've always done. Our oldest son is 18. And so, even some of their friends come over and know that's the drill. And so, um, eating dinner, reconnecting as a family at the end of the day is probably the biggest part of success in my day, especially as my kids are getting older and teenagers don't really want to hang out with their parents. So, um, that is Mm -hmm. the most successful part of my day. But as far as professionally, I think as long as I've connected with someone who needs a little bit of help or, you know, whether sometimes even my connections are personal you know people who are living in some of these retirement communities can be lonely so whether it's i've helped them with technology or listened to their story or whatever that might be just connecting with my clients is also a huge um, indicator that i've had a successful day
0: absolutely and see again i love that because you know what it is so true and that we are beings that are meant to be interconnected with each other like whether we like it or not And we thrive on that. And I think depression comes from us trying not to be that way. So it's kind of, you mentioned very important parts, right? Like little things like connecting with family at the end of the day for dinner, like keeping that tradition. I think that, that is, that is the ultimate success. Love that.
1: And I don't know if you've heard on, um, there's been a few recent podcasts that talk about some study that Harvard did about um, generationally over, you know, decades, they've studied these people to see who are the most happy. And it wasn't the people who were the most happy were people who had the most money, the most success, whatever it might be, the people who were the happiest had the best relationships. And so I really believe in that and that's always kind of been me. And so I really value being in relationship, whether it's personally or professionally, but like you said, you know, people, especially after COVID, I think we're really lonely. And so just connecting with people goes a very long way for me and for, you know, the people I'm around. So.
0: Absolutely. All right. Last but not least, anyone who wants to get in touch with you and find you, where would they go?
1: So I am on Facebook. You can just look up my business, Step by Step Tech. I am on LinkedIn. Um, It's Melissa Foot, my last name, which ends with an E. Um, Melissa Foot, Colorado, and then of course my website, which is stepbysteptech.org.
0: Fantastic. All right. So now let's get into the lightning round. This is going to be just some fun questions, uh, more personal questions about you. And I, I think, uh, you know, it'll get to, you know, give people an in, inner uh, sight or inner uh, path towards how you think. <laughs> yeah. Question one, which is one of my favorite, is what is your favorite food?
1: Um, I'm like a child. My favorite food is definitely ice cream. Um, I could eat it for any meal of the day. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Yeah, I could do it. It's not a very good model for my kids, though. So often um, street tacos would be my second favorite. That um, I love tacos.
0: Another good food. Yes. Love that. Uh, Favorite vacation spot and why?
1: We went to Aruba a couple years ago, and that was the most beautiful beach I'd ever seen. Um, they just, I don't know if you've ever been there, but the sand is just white and soft and the ocean is so calm and beautiful. It's the most amazing place I've been so far.
0: Love that. I've never been to Aruba, but I kind of want to go. So that's one of my, uh, bucket lists.
1: Highly recommend. And it feels a little off the beaten path and it's, it just feels a little slower than like, you know, some of the more, um, touristy kind of beach vacations it's very calm we didn't take our kids it was amazing
0: nice favorite podcast or book and or book
1: uh i love the go giver it was one of the first books i read when i started my business and have you read it before
0: i have not but i've heard of it
1: it's it's more of a narrative it's kind of a fable but it's more about you know teaching that it's more important to give than to get yes. so the whole go giver is that if you just give in different areas of your life ultimately it will bring you success and so i really like the ideas in that book it's just a lot about serving and how if you do what you love and you're serving people the money will come and i i wholeheartedly believe that so 1000%
0: See, that's what I what I always preach, right? Because I I believe the long gone are the days that you have a product and then you post a uh, newspaper ad or a flyer or a sign, 50% off, 25% off, two for one. Long gone are those days. Now, maybe your uh, parents or your grandparents would still fall for that because that was their era. But I think today's generations, in a sense, for lack of better description, have wised up and that no longer drives them. So now, what drives them? It drive again, it goes back to relationships and some form of way of making them them feel good. And what feels good? giving. So when you when they see people giving and are going beyond themselves, that makes them feel good. And then people want to reciprocate. And then that kind of you know as long as you're doing it because you want to be helpful and be of service, as you said, that works. Now everyone can tell who a phony is. On oh, you're just giving something because you want something from me. That doesn't work. If you're doing it because I want something, you're gonna be you're gonna be casted as that fraud because people will catch on. You might fool one or two people, but the majority will catch on. But if you're doing it because you enjoy it and you love helping people, it comes around.
1: I agree, and I think too. You know, it took me till I, I'm 44 now, so it took me until I was in my 40s to figure this out. And I think that my previous career led the path to get here. And, you know, if I hadn't have taught for so many years, I wouldn't be where I am. So I think for some people it comes sooner than others. But I think when you're doing something just to make money, people can read you and know that that's the case. And I think when you're authentically doing something because you have a passion for it, that comes through, too. So I do think it's really important to, you know, be authentic in what you're doing in your business.
0: Exactly. All right. Last but not least. If you were given unlimited amount of money, but you had 48 hours to spend it, what you spend it, spend, you get to keep what you don't spend gets taken away. What would you do?
1: Any amount of money. This is as much money as you want.
0: Like I said, unlimited. The only catch is you can only do what you you know, whatever you can do in 48 hours. You have a time limit, not a uh, money limit.
1: Okay. I would definitely invest in, um, Apple and Amazon. (laughs) I would, um, create trust funds for my kids that hopefully could build, you know, provide generational wealth. I would, we've all, I've never been to Europe before, so I would pay for a really massive trip for me and my family to go on, you know, maybe prepay if I have to spend it in 48 hours, but, you know, pay, you know, hire a travel agent or whatever, and um, put together a month long trip in Europe. Um, and then my son just went to Africa over spring break. His friend is, was adopted from Africa and they've created a foundation and opened a school over there. So I would sponsor as many kids as they need right now so they could go to school. That's really on the top of my head. Cause he just got back. So.
0: Fantastic. But notice, yeah. but notice the majority of that stuff was about doing something for other people.
1: Yeah, I'm I'm a I'm a minimalist. I don't need much. I yeah. I'd rather have experiences, I think, than things.
0: Absolutely, and that's what gives us joy. I mean, I purposely asked that question that way for that reason, because I'm willing to bet now, not that I can prove it, but I'm willing to bet. If I said if I gave you a million dollars, what would you do? Your answers would have been much much different, and yeah. you probably wouldn't have gave me what your deep down interest is. It would have been something that oh, I got to answer this, and first thing that comes to mind. And what I mean by that is a lot of times when you ask a person, what would you do with a million bucks? Well, I'd pay off my mortgage. I'd buy myself this car. I'd finish this and whatever. It's all like little monetary stuff because they don't know what the, you know, a million bucks seems so limited. They don't know what to do with it. Right. Where the way I word it. Yeah. 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 Where the way I word it gives you endless possibilities and gets a person to think, Hmm, what do I really want? and then you get that that answer.
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So that's why I ask it that way.
1: Yeah. I love it. It's a great question.
0: Thank you. So this has been an amazing show. I want to say thank you so much for being on it. I am truly, truly blessed and grateful.
1: Thank you. And I, I really do love your podcast. I feel like it, um, you know, I'm not a realtor, i've started working with realtors but so many of your topics are really just about you know about life and business and so um i really thank you for sharing this podcast with people even like me who are in your real estate world because i think it's invaluable to hear you know advice and stories about business too so thanks
0: absolutely thank you yeah i find it like I'm, a, I'm an entrepreneur at heart i just happen to be in the real estate business now so that's why i try to keep it uh it's like i can't give up the entrepreneur side because I've been that my whole life. I mean, we're relatively the same age within a couple of years. So, and and again, I've been an entrepreneur since I was 15. So it was one of those things that I I can't not talk about it. It's like, if I'm not talking entrepreneurship, it's like a piece of me is missing, right? So I have to keep that no matter what I'm doing. And then uh, the real estate is, well, I'm in the real estate business. So obviously I'm going to talk a little bit about it. (laughs)
1: And I feel like in the same way, I'm a teacher at heart. Everything I do is about teaching, and now I'm adding in the entrepreneur side. So,
0: yeah, exactly. Makes I need sense. to learn
1: from people like you all the things I don't know.
0: Awesome, that's true too, right? Well, we're always learning, right? So, you're so either you're learning, growing, or dying. Yep. Awesome, Melissa. Thank you very, very much. Thanks again.
1: Yeah, thanks. I look forward to uh, sharing this with your audience.
0: Absolutely. If you like what you saw and you want to see some more episodes, subscribe to the link below.